0: It's wonderful to have you here tonight, it's a refreshing time for all of us to gather in the name of the Lord, always a pleasure and uh, really thankful to what God is doing in my life and many people's lives. Maybe some of you are not aware, but there's a conference going on in the States, the Calvary Chapel Association has an international conference for pastors and leaders. It's been wonderful hearing this man teach the Bible. It's been wonderful, basically just seeing everything and reflecting on what God is doing how God has used people for years and years, and they're still holding on to that same word. And it is amazing how, you know, the Bible can be taught in the most simplest of way and have impact in people's lives, uh, especially with men who've been teaching the Bible for 50 years. You know, some of us are not even half 50 years, but these men have been teaching the Bible for 30, 40, 50 years. It is God's wisdom that just flows in them and through them. It is not of their doing. You really see God in whatever they say and as i was watching it and reflecting upon you know the bible studies and the testimonies you know the lord led me to you know share on a different subject that we normally go through on our thursday we normally go through the old testament and we are in second samuel but today we are going to Go back and forth, but majorly in the book of Exodus with the story of Moses. But we are going to read, first of all, uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 7, that we just read a few weeks ago. And before we do that, let us ask for God's blessings. God, we are before you our Lord and our Savior, we thank you for your mercies, we thank you for your grace, we thank you that even in our state, God, that you can still use us, Lord. In our condition, you still reach now to us, Lord, and we thank you tonight as we learn from this man, Moses, that you'd he help us to see those things that at times we would just disregard or would really think that, you know, we, we can be used for one reason or another. Our history, uh, the things that we have done, Lord, we see that the men you have called, you never called people who were perfect, but those who you've called you put your spirit upon them and they began to be actively uh, useful in your kingdom and for your kingdom. So we pray that as we study the life of this man, that you, your Holy Spirit, will prompt us to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it is... Really tied with what we've been talking about our, on our Sunday morning. Um, you know, we, considering this man that we talked about Sunday, Ananias. Ananias was just, you know, a believer, the Bible calls him a disciple. But, you know, this great scripture that we read on Sunday, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus the other week, and um, God is arresting him on the way, Uh, is making him to become so helpless, though he had come so mightily, you know, he was just about to drive into Damascus, but the Lord caused an unusual event to occur. And, you know, Paul would go ahead and, you know, talk about all these things and how, you know, what he just wants to know is Jesus Christ above all else. He wants to know uh, the the, the power that rose Christ from the dead. And, you know, that trail of thought would inform you the desire of this man. Um, Not very concerned about, you know, his education, not very concerned about, you know, developing a lot of things in the world, but he's concerned about maturing people, because what he's received is greater. Here in Acts chapter 7, when as Stephen was in the middle of teaching, preaching to these religious Leaders and he came to a part where he's talking about Moses from verses 20. So at this time, Moses was born and was well pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in word and deed. Now when he was forty years old, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day, he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, "Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who... Did his neighbor wrong? Pushed him away, saying, "Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptians yesterday?" Then, at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller or a fugitive in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty Years had passed, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, in a bush, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and he drew near to observe. The voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I'm the Lord God of your fathers, the Lord God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled. And dare not look. Then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is the holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groanings, and I've come down to deliver them, and now come, and I will send you to Egypt. Now think about this man. Think about Moses. Think about his life. Think about how, you know, he, he was born in a tough season of life. And, you know, when I was thinking about the life of Moses, very quickly I thought about my life. Because some of us were just, you know, doing things and trying to run away from the Lord. I don't say it is unique how I came to the Lord, but it is unique in my own way, in my own sight. <laughs> um, I grew up in a decent Christian family. My, my dad was. My dad was a pastor, by the way, for those who didn't know. My, my mother was one of the greatest intercessors I've known in this life. She prayed every time and every day and mentioning us by name every day. She just prayed every time, every time. And I think, you know, part of or majorly what has happened in my life is through her travailing in prayer for years and for years for my life and my siblings' lives. And even in this season of life, when I was growing, not even a teenager, at the age of 10, 11, I began to, you know, use things. I began to smoke, (laughs) began to drink changa, began to drink busa, uh, began to stuck things in my mouth, kuber and many things. And, you know, little by little, I was becoming, you know, rowdy, but I would still be polite in a way you know, the parents could not realize for a moment, but I was just a bad kid, you know, growing into drugs. You know, I had one good friend of mine. When I was that age, I was very short. So the two short guys, you know, another guy just, you know, from the village was causing my friend a lot of trouble. And I couldn't just let that go. What I did, I jumped into the bushes, picked them. We call them bullets in the village, but it's basically a stone. (laughs) And um, they're busy fighting on the road, jumping into the bush. I took the stone, and the way it separated my friend from this guy, I still don't know until today. What I know is that I hit that man in the head, badly. When I was coming out of the bush, he was bleeding, bleeding profusely. And I got scared. And uh, that was the beginning of me being a fugitive in my own village, running and running. Because they went to the police. And the police straight away came with the 110s by then uh, to come and arrest me. And, you know, I went and hid myself, and they didn't get me that day. They came back the next day, and you know who they came with? The PC, Provincial Commissioner, then. That means it was a big deal. You know, this family, they wanted to take me down, for real. And, you know, I began to be, you know, just running away, running in and out. You know, you come back today and you're told they were here yesterday looking for you. And that, you know, became the way of my life for a season. Um, Didn't know where to go and just running here and there. You know, thinking about the life of Moses, like, there's a place we are kind of the same. (laughs) I didn't kill them, (laughs) just hit someone hard. He was bleeding and I ran away. And, you know, some time later, the Lord was gracious to me. And, you know, Moses was born when the Israelites were in the middle of persecution was born in the time when children are being murdered. And Moses, the Bible tells us, you know, he only spent three months with his family. You know, there was an elder sister, uh, Miriam, there was a brother, Aaron, and, uh, you know, when he was born, children were being murdered. They tried to hide, but, you know, they, they couldn't do it no more. And so God gave them wisdom to hide this child on what is popularly known today as the Moses basket. You know, parents know about it. Um, The Lord, by his providence, sustained this child because the Bible tells us that he was well-pleasing to the Lord even when, when he was born. Think about it, he was born when everything was bad, there was a lot of murder. And by implication, you know, as soon as he arrives on earth, his life was in danger. You just shows up and everything is not fine. Um, You know, every, every generation, there's always a season that things happen that is not right you know children that are born this season in, in in this world i don't know many of them they'll be told you know you were born when everything was going up <laughs> you know and th- the same same season when things are bad for the others it is still good for the others who are born in very wealthy families it is never the same but you think about it, born in a season when the children of Israel are endangered. You know, they, they're about to be wiped out in the face of the earth, but the Lord is preparing a way. Does this ring a bell in what we read in the New Testament in some season when the God-man is born in Bethlehem? And... You know, the, the king or the ruler of the time feels like this is, you know, this person is going to be a ruler, is going to be a king, and this is what has been prophesied. So to stop this, we are going to kill the children. And God told Moses, uh, not Moses, uh, Joseph, to go to Egypt, <laughs> fly and go. Until the appointed time, and you will return. You know, ahead of time, we see that God has prepared a deliverer. And the time of the children of Israel, He is preparing Moses. The time of the rest of us, God has prepared Jesus to be born so that we are delivered from our sins. We're delivered from our darkest times. In our darkest and times of great despair and distress, God has a way out. God always has a way out. This child is born, uh, only spent three months with his parents in their house, and then the rest of the time, you know, he's taken to the river. And Pharaoh's daughter had compassion in this one child. I mean, how many children were dying? Do you think is, it is accidental that God sends this heathen woman to go and save this child to be a deliverer? I mean, look at the people that God uses. God uses Pharaoh's daughter to bring up Moses to become the deliverer of the children of Israel. Why was this child not born amidst his own people? So that he's growing correctly with the Uh, the tradition of his people. Though, by God's providence, God chose his own mother to be his own nanny to take care of him and to install some discipline in him. In our darkest times, in our times of despair and distress, God always has a way. What do you think Moses' mother was saying in his heart? What do you think was her prayer? When every other child is died and still you can nurse your own child. What a miracle. And upon his birth, we are told that he was fair to look upon. And most importantly, he was fair towards God. This was a handsome young man, you know, a Theo of that season of life. Beautiful boy, growing up. You see them, how they are growing and they're starting to grab things and they're being taught things. You know, growing in In the assembly of believers, what a beautiful thing to behold, to see how God is raising them up. It was fair to look upon. And by God's providence, he was wonderfully preserved in his infancy. Three months in his parents' house trouble arose and was thrown into the river, and God preserved him. God sustained him in Pharaoh's house. God sustained him in a heathen's house. (laughs) I don't know if Moses at some point ever said, hey God, can you just remember those people who sustained my life when everything (laughs) was... Dark. Even when my mom lived with me and they did know, God was gracious. God preserved them. And what does that tell us? That those whom God designed to make use of he will take special care of. For those whom God designed to make use of, he will take special care of them. It doesn't matter. Tough situation will come their ways. You're born in a place where you're thinking, man, how, how did I find myself in this place? God, why did you choose for me to be born in Langas, to be born in Uruma, to be born in this estate, to be born in this neighborhood? God. And you're, you're, you're born into a troubling season. Your parents are worried if you'll ever grow up. You might die anytime. But you see, those people whom God desired to use, he will preserve them. It doesn't matter what they will go through. He will preserve them. The process might not be interesting. The process might be tough. The process might be something you never prayed for. But at the end of the day, If God's hand is upon you, he will preserve you either way. And also, as we read here in uh, Acts, he says that Moses, Moses became a great scholar. Why? Because he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was learned. In literature, particularly uh, philosophy, astronomy, which probably aided these people to worship the idols, you know, arts and sciences and all these things that still people would marvel with the Egyptians until today. You know what? He had an opportunity to study all these things at this age, and he studied them. He was not a dumb, dumb guy, he was a smart guy, smart fella, learned fella. You know, when we read we the story of Moses and, you know, he says he's a stammerer, that has nothing to do with his intelligence. He had an opportunity to father his education also to become one of the greatest in Egypt. But the simple history he was taught by his mother about his people, this history got a hold of him and he decided otherwise. He decided he's not going to father his education for this reason. He remembered his people. He remembered the Jewish people. Maybe through his lifetime, these 40 years, he's seen how these people are treated. He's seen their agony, the their things they've gone through. It's like, man, how, how can I enjoy the goodies in this palace while my own brothers are suffering? He remembered these things, and he didn't stay. I know if we would give a summary of, you know, the major events that happened during the life of Moses was, you know, the birth of Moses in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Number two, uh, Moses killed the Egyptians in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And Moses, we see him at the burning bush. Exodus 3, 1 to 17. Moses and the ten plagues in Egypt, Exodus 7, 14 through 11 to 10. Moses at the Red Sea, Exodus 14, 21. Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 21. And then lastly, the death of Moses in Deuteronomy, 34. That would sum up all these events that we know from the Bible. But what do we learn from Moses' personal life? Number one, Moses was humble, meek in Numbers 12 verses 3. Humility is a quality that makes people attractive. It makes people attractive. If you see people who are humble, they become so attractive to us, not just to us, even God the Father looks at people like these ones and he wants to use them. That is why he says he resists the proud. And he lifts those people who are meek, the people who are humble. And this is one quality that as we read the story of Moses, we see it playing around. This quality makes people very attractive. And how do we know that? One aspect is he chose to identify with the lowly. He chose to identify with the lowly, the, the Hebrew people, the people who are burdened. You know, the Bible says that when another ruler came who knew nothing about Joseph, he heaped things and loads of work upon the children of Israel. They would walk and walk and walk. But you know, as they were working hard, God actually gave them the strength to be diligent in what they did, and they grew. From a family, they grew to be a nation. Moses was a humble guy. Not the humble, you know, the, not the humility that people say, ah, mimi nakwanga mnyenye I'm humble. Do we know that you're humble? You know, the fact that you'd say that would actually tell us that you're very prideful in very many ways. You know what the Bible tells us? Let another praise you. Let someone else praise you. If you're humble... The other people will say it, not you talking about it. I'm such a giver, you know. (laughs) I'm such a giver. I'm such a kind person. Just do your business and let the rest be. What else do we see from this passage? That he was a learned guy had the best tutors, and he went to the best of the best schools. Regardless of his background, God took him through a journey of learning what mattered the most. He was learned, we agree. He knew a lot of things. But you know, when he remembered the Hebrew people, you know what happened? God began <laughs> to teach him something else. And God was teaching him lessons for 40 years in the wilderness, appearing to him and speaking to him and to teach him what really matters. It's not like, you know, the linguistics that he learned never mattered, because these things, if he really went towards this direction, he would become a deep idol worshipper, like the rest of the Egyptians. Though he was learned, but God took him to a route that would help him know what really matters a lot. We also see from the testimony of his lips, he says, you know, he had speech insecurity. <laughs> God sent him, and he told God that he can't because he is slow of speech and of tongue. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 10, I mean, I'm, I can't speak. This did not mean that he's not a smart guy. He's not a learned guy. He's just expressing. He say, how, how can I stand before this man yet I'm a stammerer? I, I will take a lot of time. And these people, they probably don't have time for us. You'd be like, yeah, Get out of here. <laughs> we don't have time for you. You know, you, sometimes we 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 are normally tempted to finish statements for the people who stammer, right? Do you know how it is offensive to them? <laughs> like they know it in their heads, they know it in their minds, what they want to say immediately, but there's trouble. But amazingly, those who stammer and are musicians, amazingly, they sing fluently. How would you wish that they would just speak to you in songs? <laughs> you know, they would tell you they love you in songs. That would be amazing, right? <laughs> you're being cattuared with songs. <laughs> oh, you carry those memories until your grave. It's beautiful. But you say, hey, I can't. I can't speak. I have trouble speaking. I have trouble saying words. And after all, what am I going to say to this guy? Everyone fears these people. I'm just a nobody. Someone living in the wilderness, what am I going to say to them? You know, he tried to use this reason as a way of escaping the call of God. But God, ahead of time, prepared his brother Aaron to be with him. You see, sometimes God comes to us and all we want to do is to give excuses. God, I'm not able to do this. Um, uh, I can't speak in front of people. Even in front of three people, I get scared. I mean, who doesn't? You, you think people who stand here to sing and to teach, they aren't scared of people? Come ask us. We're scared of you. In fact, we don't look at you. You might think I'm looking at you. I don't. I'm looking at your head here, going upwards. It is safe for me that way. Sometimes you you speak and you look at people like, No, I don't even realize if you're looking at me sometimes. Just trying to focus. I'm just trying to engage myself with the people. It is scary to look at people. It is scary. (laughs) We are not wired like that to just come and speak speak in front of people, and I would understand when he's saying, you know, how, how am I going to stand before this mighty man? How am I going to stand before the president and tell him we are suffering? <laughs> you know, you get before the president and all you want to do, you know, Tunai-ngi-ya. you want to sing a song for the president. You don't want to say what is really happening. What, what is troubling you. <laughs> you know, I love this song. You, you gave me faith like a child. You know, children will just storm in. It doesn't matter. Whether the dad is the president, they don't care. They'll come with their diapers. They come with their not clean hands, with their sous and their clothes. They'll just come. You deal with it. <laughs> deal with it. It's not their problem. It's your problem that they are stinky. Isn't God gracious to us? That we run to him very stinky. <laughs> he cleans us up and we run away from his presence again. We go and do whatever things. Still gracious. Moses is trying to give an excuse. Well I can I can't speak before him. My my speech. I can't plan my words properly. It's not a problem. You know what I've learned over the years? Not even to think about it. Because if I think about it, I will say things that don't make sense. So I'll just say it. As I said on Sunday, you guys fix them for me. And let's continue with life. That is awesome. That is wonderful. We have teachers who teach us Literature. And they hear us speak. they like, these people, are they aware of what they speak? Do they know? All I know is that I'm trying to communicate the love of God to every one of us. God had already prepared his... If you, you're thinking, okay, now I can not speak. God has a plan. There's Aaron. And I'm wondering if your life has an Aaron somewhere. Someone who can hold your hand and say, well, the Lord told you to do this. It wasn't mine, but I can go with you. I can pray with you. I can encourage you. I can do this. You know, do, do you have an Aaron somewhere? Or you're a loner. You're, the Trinity of you can figure things out. Me, myself, and I. This problem was not big enough for God not to use him, even though he was giving excuses. This was not a big problem for God not to use him. You know, another thing that we see also, that he had anger issues sometimes. There were anger issues. He would get mad at people you know, what? you people are not listening. You people, you, you're not, you ungrateful people. You just, you want to go back to Egypt because of onion and garlic and shoshaba? No, no, no. This, that is unreasonable. You know, God is telling people, okay, th- there's provision of manna and people are keeping a lot for themselves. He's getting mad at these people. Are you not listening? When will you people get it? And truth be told, even the pastors can get to that point where you, you have preached to people for years and you know, things are not changing, and you're just asking, when will these, these people get it? When will they get it? They get frustrated, and very quickly, even the church members would realize that, hey, Leo na Kakitu, Asira. You know, he was also lonely at times. You know, he gets to the middle of the wilderness. He gets married, and even the name he gives to his own two children will tell you that well. He didn't have besties around. He didn't have a lot of people around him. And also the other side of the coin, we see that, you know, he was a friend of God. Exodus thirty-three eleven, the Lord spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He was a friend of God. He was faithful and obedient. You know how we know that? Because he was God's hand, God's mouth, and God's feet to the children of Israel. He became the prophet, the mouthpiece of God to these people, the people who are And grateful, but still, he was faithful to God. Amidst all these, you know, emotional turmoils and things that are happening, he was still a friend of God. He was still faithful and obedient. Though, It was not the easiest of jobs that he had. Think about two million people. You're supposed to help them live soberly, (laughs) remind them of the God of their forefathers, what his promises, you know, the things he's promised to do for them, And how they are not even paying attention to these promises. And the Lord is being gracious to them. They ain't even seeing them. And you know, we would would sing songs and pray and say, you know, as Moses did say, God, if you're not going with us, we ain't going. You think Moses was just fine. <laughs> and this was a song he's singing. He was mad at the same time. But if we ain't, if you ain't moving, if you ain't going with us. No, no, no. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it was not easy for this man. He was the priest. He was the pastor. He was the prophet. He was, call it, was all these things. He was a priest. He performed the ordination of you know Aaron and his sons. He sacrificed animals and Etc. And all these things. He became a priest. You know, and all these things as he was growing up, becoming of age, year after year. He grew to be a wise leader. He also was a teachable human being. You remember when his father-in-law talked to him? Say, Moses, I know you're doing God's work. I know you're you're being called to do this, and you're preaching hard, and you're counseling people, and you're involved in distributing resources to people, and all that stuff. But pay attention. I don't want my daughter to be a widow too soon. In other words, (laughs) leave. And by that I mean find people who will help you carry the burden. Appointed 70 men. And the Bible says that the spirit that was upon Moses was divided upon this man. So that whatever was so hard, this man would bring that to Moses. And you know what Moses would do? Take it to the Lord. Because he's not all-knowing. He's also depending on the Lord. And by that tells us also that in a way he was discipling people well was discipling people. You know, maybe he would spend time with these elders and talk to them and speak wisdom to them and pray with them and, you know, just lead them through. We see a great leader who is um, discipling others also. And also we see, above all these anger issues and all that stuff, we see that he had compassion also, he had compassion on the people. How he served them, regardless of his emotions. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, when he would see people suffering, the Bible say he, he had compassion upon them, towards them, looking at them, looking at the suffering, and you know, the reason for his calling maybe would remind him about, you know, his responsibility. God told him that I've seen the suffering of my people. And he would remember the words of the Lord and say, well, if the Lord had compassion on the people who are ungrateful, who am I? Who am I? You know, one of the hardest things for people to do is to minister to people that you know for sure, uh, maybe they are ungrateful. They don't appreciate the things you do for them. That can be hard. But Moses as a leader had compassion upon them. You know, as we just briefly learning a few things from Moses, You know, where do you find yourself as you're thinking about this story? You know, did, did the Lord call you from something that you're running away from? Where did the Lord meet you really? Look at the history where he meets people. And we see his plan, you know, unfolding each and every day. When... Saul of Tarsus going to school. Do you think he knew that he would become an apostle? No, no, no. That was not one of his agendas. But you know, later, you know, he cries to the Lord. He says, hey, Lord, I have a thorn in the flesh. (laughs) You know, I was listening to Don McCloth talking about Saul so this this was not a, you know he didn't pray this three times in one sitting he was agonizing you know one particular time he prayed to the Lord he cried to the Lord and the Lord did not take it away another time he cried again to the Lord to take it away the Lord did not take it away Another time, he cried to the Lord to take it away. You know what? The Lord was gracious enough not to take it away. <laughs> you know how Paul puts it. He he sent a messenger. <laughs> a messenger from the devil. To do what? To keep me in check. So that I will not puff myself. We're easily puffed, especially when we know things that other people don't. Or when we think they don't know. You know, sometimes we assume. We assume that people don't know. So that it's like we are informing them. But this messenger was sent to buffet him, to beat him up, so that he will think that he's not that great. If the Lord is not working in him, he's just a nobody. If the Lord is not working in Moses, he's just a nobody. If the Lord is not working in David's life, he's, not, he's just a nobody. If the Lord is not working in your life, you're just a nobody. You know, your bad history can be used for better if you're willing. If you're willing. Are you willing? to be changed by the Lord? Are you willing to be used by Him? Are you willing? And regardless of what you have done, there is God's grace and mercy available for you today. God's mercy is available for you. And where you are in life today, stay closer to Jesus. And accept his call upon your life. He's called you. Don't give excuses. No, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. I am... He didn't call you because you're sufficient. He called you because he is sufficient. (laughs) You cannot be sufficient enough. You know. God's grace, He gives us His grace that is sufficient for our suffering. His grace is sufficient to give us strength and His grace is sufficient for His service.